All right. How many excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Come on. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you are my favorite. The 9 o'clock is my favorite. Now, don't ask the 11 o'clock if I said this to them. Don't ask them. No, I'm kidding because I will say the same thing to them, but I'm so glad you're here. How many are glad you're here this morning? Amen. It is the week after Easter. We're in our new service times, having a great time. As some of you have noticed, we streamlined some things so that we could have two morning services. You notice that we took out the confession of faith, the gospel presentation, and that fellowship time. All of those things are meant to uh, enable us to continue on today to have another morning service. We have to grow this church and have the space. Our prior services was one morning and one afternoon, 10 and 1. And no one was coming really to that one. We only had about a quarter of the people coming there, and this one kept filling up and filling up and filling up. So I'm actually happy today to see some of these empty seats. I'm believing God for maybe an even split today in the 11 o'clock one, a half and half, so we can build this church to a strong 300 people. How many want to see that happen? Amen. Right now, we're a little bit over 200, and uh, last week for Easter, we had close to 350 people. So give yourselves a hand clap for coming with your friends and family. So glad you all did that. And so now let's grow our church the biblical way on discipleships. Can everybody go, what, what? Amen. We're going to build our church with disciples that make disciples. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. If uh, you haven't met me yet or my wife, I'm Joe. My wife's name is Nancy doing the introduction with the announcements. We're so glad that you're here. We're doing a big push on Facebook right now with inviting our friends and family. So if you're a visitor, found us online. We're glad that you're here if you came with a friend. We're in the middle of a sermon series in the book of Ephesians called In Him. We're learning to put our life in God. Think of that triangle as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You need to be in God today. And how do you come into God? There's only one way to the Father, and that is to the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come into the Father except by me. And so we're going through this verse by verse by verse. And if you haven't started reading with us the book of Ephesians, I want to encourage you to do that. Easter season has reminded us of the importance of having a relationship with Jesus. The Word of God is His message to us today. The book of Ephesians will probably be this church's uh, uh, basis of studying for the next year. So 2017, you would do yourself a favor to read it. And I would say at least read it once a week. And I've taught you guys this before, that if you get the audio version, and many of you have wrote me online and said, hey, what's different ways I can do it? And I've showed you there's ones over hip-hop beats, the Bible over hip-hop, it's awesome. There's the classic versions. Do you know how long it takes to listen to the audio version of the whole book of Ephesians? 20 minutes! the time it takes for one sitcom. When I do my exercises, I just put it on repeat. Sometimes within one hour, I can listen to it three to four times, right? God will make a way if you will put some effort into this. Work the word and it will work for you. Can I get a what, what? Amen. Let's look at the passage that we are studying right now to hear about chosen. Somebody say chosen. 
Thank you. We're going through a certain passage of Ephesians right now. It's verses 3 through 14. We're still in the first chapter, so if you're just joining with us, you are at the perfect time to really get the grasp of this book. In other words, we've only preached about three verses, verses 1, 2, and 3 since uh, February, and today we're in verse 4. Isn't that exciting? So we have been really breaking this down and taking our time. Look at verse 3. Paul the Apostle is talking to people just like you and me, and he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many blessings? Every spiritual blessing. Thank you in Christ. Today's message here will come from verse 4. Let's read it together. One, two, three. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. That's verse 4. We're going to go through all of that today. Reading on now, you can follow with me. Verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And I want to thank you for your patience with us as we are writing new songs in this church. So if you uh, came here today and a couple of those songs didn't sound familiar to you or you hadn't heard them on K-Love, that's because we've wrote those songs. And uh, your patience with us is appreciated. But here's the deal. We want to put what we're learning into word, into song. Amen. We want to give you those things. And so as we're reading this, it should sound familiar to what we're singing. He's chose us. He's predestined us to adoption. He's raising us up. These are the themes of Ephesians. Keep going to verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So Jesus did all of these wonderful things for the Father's glory and for our benefit. Now look at verse 7. In him, talking about Jesus, and that's where we get the sermon series from. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Somebody say redemption. That means the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So God's not just giving us forgiveness of sins. He's also giving us wisdom. He's also giving us understanding. You know, there are some of you in this church that are making big moves in your life right now. You're having children. You're starting your family. Uh, you're starting businesses. We have a lot of young adults in this church, and you would be surprised at some of the things that are going on, things that I can't share with you at until they're out in the open, but there's some big moves going on in this church outside of these four walls in people's lives, and that's a good thing because church and God's blessing doesn't stop when you leave a building. The church is the body of Christ. That's us going out into that world, changing it through the wisdom that God gives us. How many know Hobby Lobby can change the world through their business model? How many know stay-at-home moms can change the children of their neighborhood, not only their children, with the way they raise their kids? How many know teachers that have a godly worldview can impact their students? Come on, how many of those working in the commercial world, you know, products, selling, buying, selling? You can change the world through your attitude. It's not only the forgiveness of sin, it's it's also wisdom and understanding. Look at verse 9, to make known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. God has a will for all of us, which he purposed in Christ, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. Some may say Jesus is coming back. 
Thank you to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's what's going to happen. It's all going to come together. And I'll just read this here without any interruption because now this is where he just gets deep. Look at this. In him, talking about Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything with the conformity to the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory and you also were included come on nudge your neighbor you also were included when Christ in Christ when you believe the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory if you love Jesus give it up for his word today come on thank you Lord Man, that's an amazing passage. A lot of run-on sentences. Go back this week, and you go through those words and phrases and take them into your heart. Uh, memorize the passages that God highlights to you. Just something just to think about in your hard times. It's just, I am marked in Jesus with the promised Holy Spirit. Just even if you just took on this phrase right here and said, I was marked in the Holy Spirit, that means you are are locked and sealed by God today. There is nothing that can come against you that someone can break into your heart and steal what God has done there. Can I get an amen? Amen. So here are the 14 things we're going through in those passages that you, in the passage, in the verses we just read. So we learned a couple weeks ago before Easter, being blessed with every spiritual blessing. All notes are in, in sermons are online. You can go back and review. Today we're going to talk about being chosen to be holy and blameless. That's what he said. God chose us to be holy and blameless. What do you think we're going to talk about next week? Adoption to sonship, yes, the week after that, glorious grace, redemption and forgiveness. You can plan your calendar here. Invite your friends to come to these messages. Lavished with wisdom and understanding, knowing God's mysterious will. How many want to know the will of God? We're going to learn about God's mysterious will. United with Christ, nothing separating us from his love. Learning about God's plan, that's going to be exciting. Made to praise God's glory. we got to get a little gospel on that day. I was made to praise. Whoa, made to praise. Whoa, made to praise. Baby, I'm made to praise. I'm made. Woo! <laughs> Y'all got to come. We got to write a new one for that to have Chris get down. Yes, and by the way, they found out they're expecting their second child, and it's a boy. Let's give it up for the Pittmans. So happy for you. Oh, then we'll talk about the gospel in verse 13, marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Guaranteed inheritance. Nothing can take away what God has promised us. And then we'll end out just that passage with God's possessions. There you see 14 nuggies we get out of what we just read. And that's just the 14 verses of chapter 1. It goes on further in chapter 1. Then it's chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Are you guys ready? This is an exciting time to be a part of the church and to read and study your Bible. Well, since we're talking about being chosen today, 
Let's just get some simple definitions because uh, I don't want us to run through these verses without going a little bit more in depth for you to catch it, okay? Because I understand, even for me, it's hard to pull it all out of what Paul is saying. If you think about it, God is giving us something to reflect upon for all the different times of our life. And so there may be different ways this message hits you now, and then at a different time of your life, it'll hit you a little differently. So the Bible's kind of like that diamond that you look at, and every time you look at it, it's a little bit different as the light reflects off of this. So today we're talking about being chosen and what that means and how special we are to God. And we've heard that word before. You know, you get picked to play on a sports team, and I don't know about you, but I would always get nervous when they would start picking teams, you know, and I would feel bad for the one that would get picked last. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of times how we think about it. And we're sometimes uh, hanging out with our friends at restaurants, and they take forever to choose what they want to eat, and we call them picky. Does anybody have any picky friends when they go out to eat? I actually have a friend, I call him Picky Ricky, because he'll take forever whenever he's ordering. And it's like, come on, Picky Ricky, pick what you're going to eat. Let's choose something now, man. And we're on, we understand this, and we understand what it means to be chosen for love. I mean, to have somebody ask you out, young lady, doesn't that feel amazing? Or those who are older here, and you remember back in the day when you were dating, or, or those who uh, are married now, and you were picked by your, your spouse to get on one knee, and they asked to marry you, and, and now you have chosen each other. We understand what it means to be chosen, but oftentimes we don't get it biblically, what it means to be chosen. We, we kind of just look at the Bible and say, he loves me somewhere in there, but I don't know if he really knows me by name, or I don't know if he really keeps up with me every day. And that's why you see these memes on Facebook, you know. If you want God to bless you, like this picture and say amen. And, and then there's another meme that has somebody slapping the person who made that. It's like, that's not how it works, you know, the Batman and Robin one. And the reason why a lot of times we get superstitious in Christianity is because we don't understand that God loves us so much that he knows each one of us, and he's choosing us, he's picking us. And so we're not one of just many to God that are unimportant to him. We're very special to God. And I was thinking about this as I was watching a CNBC. It's a business show on cable. You can watch people start businesses. It's really cool. And for some reason on that channel, they have Jay Leno there, that cool guy, Jay Leno. And, and he's all he's doing on this show is showing off his cars. That's all he does. It's all about Jay Leno and his cars. And every week he gets in another one of his cars and tells you how awesome he is and how not awesome you are, you know, and now today I'll be driving this car you wish you had, and this is why I love my car, and I love my life, you know, but here's the deal, what's fascinating about this guy is he can have like a hundred cars and know, uh, you know, everything about every one of these cars, well, this is a 1960 Camaro, and it was made in this factory, and it has these wheels, and this engine, and this one right here is a Rolls Royce, it came from England, and, and it's impressive to Watch somebody do that as a collector, as they've chosen these things. It's impressive to do that. But they have a limit. They have a limit. And so they can't do that with a 1,000 cars. You know, they can't do that with 2,000. They couldn't tell you all these details. And so often when it comes to us thinking about ourselves to God, we think God has a limit to his knowledge and what he knows about us and what he cares about us. 
But you see, God is greater than Jay Leno, and he does it for the whole world. He says, I love you, and I know this about you, and this is how I made you, and these are the things that you have gone through, and I am using these things for your good, and I have a future for you. I have a plan for you tomorrow. And if we can just get a mindset of how special we are to God, we won't fall for the lies of the devil. You see, if you stand for God's love, you won't fall for the the lies of this world, and we need to know that we're chosen. The word simply means to be selected and preferred other over other persons or things. And so what God is telling us here is that he has chosen these people in Ephesus for a special plan and purpose, and he has chosen them over the other ones who don't want to follow his will. And this is where we got to get to the understanding of God does have favorites. He loves every single one of us the same but he does not favor or bless us all the same. And so what that means is that God gives us all the opportunity to come to him, to experience his will for our lives, but we have to be in faith and obedience to receive them. And then the Bible says you become his favored one, you become his chosen one, you become his blessed one. In other words, God is not having a sad day at hell, a judgment day when he sends people to hell. Some of us think that on judgment day, Jesus is going to be going, no, Dito, no, no, no. And as you're going through the flames of hell, there's like some love song, like playing in the background, like, we could have been lovers, but we never were. You know, and it's like, 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 no, 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 no. Hell is a place because you chose to go there, and God says, you get exactly what you want now. God is merciful now. God is grieved now. God doesn't want you to go there. But by the time judgment comes, God is saying, you're a goat to me. These are sheep to me. It's time for you to go to where you chose to be. See, if if we don't choose God, God will let us choose what we want. I want you to hear that again. If we don't choose God, God will let us choose what we want, and he will let us destroy ourselves. When we talk about this, we got to go back to the Garden of Eden and some of those precious things that happened there. But let's keep going before we do. I want to give you just those words, chosen to be selected and preferred over other persons and things. Holy, to be set apart and pure. So God chose us to be what? Messed up in life? To be sinners? No, Jesus chose us to be what? Holy, Jesus chose you to be set apart from the other people of this world that don't choose him. So he loves us all the same. He has a plan for us all the same. But those who do not choose him back, he wants to be separated from them. Get this in your mind. If you don't want to live for God, God is not going to force you to heaven. And he does not want you to make intimate relationships with people who don't love him either. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, do not be yoked together. Do not be tied together with unbelievers because what does light have in common with darkness? And so the first principle that we learn about that is that when we're getting married and choosing a spouse, we should not choose one that does not want to live their life for Jesus Christ. When we're choosing business partners and people we're going to invest a lot of time and money with, we don't want to do it with unbelievers because they may do something in their conscience they feel okay with that will violate what God has told us to do. 
It's about time that Christians start working together as Jewish people have worked together, as Muslims have worked together, the Indian people of my community working together. Christians need to hold up their standards and say, let's start businesses together. Come on, somebody. And then we're chosen to be blameless. We're chosen to be without spot or blemish. Literally, that word means perfect. You are chosen to be perfect. Now, right about here, you're like, I don't know if I read that. I don't know. Is this really what Paul said? Let's go back and check to see if I made up some of these words here as I'm looking at some of your expressions. Let's go back to this. It says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight, in love. In love. I want you to get this today. There is a powerful character transformation that God has chosen you for. When you say, I am a Christian, but I'm not holy, you have just contradicted yourself. It's like saying, I am a bachelor, but I am married. It's like saying, I just drew a circle, but it's also a square. Can you draw circle squares? Can you be a married bachelor? Can you be a Christian and not be holy and blameless? No. Now, how do we become holy and blameless? According to the Bible, do we become holy and blameless by A, doing all good, all kinds of good works, going to church, being religious, or B, by the grace of God? How do we become holy? By what? The grace of God. How do we become blameless? By the grace of God. So those who are walking around today as living contradictions are not being obedient to what Jesus said. They are either truly not a Christian, they haven't had an experience with God, or they've had one and they just don't know what happened. They don't understand what happened on the inside. I believe that every single one of you who are genuinely a Christian, who genuinely met the Lord, and who am I talking to you can I, can I, today? Can I hear an amen if you've met Jesus? Amen? Okay, I'm talking to y'all. God made you holy. Day one. Day one. The day you started that relationship with Jesus, you were chosen to be holy that day by him. You didn't have to go into your heart and do a renovation. You didn't have to try to fix yourself. You didn't have to go and try to lose spiritual weight at the good religious uh, gym, join the good religion or good works gym. The day you accepted Christ, you were made blameless. The sins that you had committed were now taken by Christ, and the blood of Jesus now covered you, and now Jesus is your identity. You are a reflection of Jesus. Now, do you always act like who you are? No, you don't, and neither do my kids. My kids are all rhyrostic. They are brought up to learn to respect and treat others right. But yesterday, my son Lucas at his birthday party gave Liam, uh, Vinny and Desi's, the, the people up here singing, uh, gave their son a bloody nose. Now, they, were, they say they were play fighting. And uh, I don't know how it went. I wasn't there. But I didn't teach him to give people bloody noses. Now, I don't go up to him and tell him, you are just a dirty, rotten sinner, and you're just a kid, and nothing else will ever change, so I might as well just get used to you doing that stuff, because after all, nobody's blameless. After all, nobody's perfect. No, I walked over to him, and I said, that's not what you do. Others may do it, but you don't do it. You're a rhyrostic. You're in this house. You share my DNA. You're of me. You're a reflection of me. 
I want you to live like me. I don't give his dad a bloody nose, amen? And uh, nobody gives me a bloody nose. That calls me their friend, right? So you live like me. Now look at what the Bible says. Be holy, for I am holy. That's God talking. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And all of us look back at God and say, I can't, but he says, I can. All of us look back at God and say, I'm not, but he says, I am. All of us say, I'm weak, but he says, I'm strong. You see, all of us say the things we can't do, but God says, I can do the impossible through you. To those who believe they are who God says they are, they will do what God says they can do. The more you believe you're a sinner, the more excuses you'll make to live as a sinner. But the more you believe that God has chosen you to be holy and blameless, the more you will live holy and blameless. When you believe God made you sinless, you'll sin less. You'll stop looking at yourself as a dirty cup where sin is acceptable in your life, and you'll look at yourself as a clean cup, and whenever dirt gets in, you'll be quick to want to get it out through repentance. Can I get an amen? That's what we're talking about today. So how does God choose and pick those he is going to do this with? Because as I said with Jay Leno, God loves the world. He is an all-knowing God that is ever-present. And so he actually has a plan for every single one of us. But not every one of us has chosen that plan. So here's a simple way to look at it. I'm going to tell you how God chooses you, when God chooses you, and why God chooses you. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, you are chosen. So I'm going to teach you how that happens, how God chooses people, and why there are some today that are not chosen, but they could be. And then I'm going to share with you when it happens. And it actually doesn't happen probably when you think it does. And then I'm going to show you why it happens. Somebody say, preach it. Amen. Let me give you a summary as we get into this, how God chooses us. God chooses us based on our choice to respond to his invitation to come to him. Somebody say this, God chooses me when I choose him. When I choose him, he chooses me. We're not talking about love. We're not saying that I have to love him first for him to love me. No, the Bible says he loves me first. But when it comes to choosing and to be a part of his family and to have the inheritance of heaven, all of these precious things we've read in Ephesians, because this is a common theme of, of Paul, predestination, the will of God, the choosing of God, all of these concepts, guess what? This is how it works. God sets you up to succeed when you want to do it his way. He chooses those who choose him. Would you like to see Jesus talk about that? I got a whole entire parable to read to you right now, and I want you to listen to it. I'm going to do my best to do it exciting and to read through with some emotion here. But I want you to hear this. Paul understood the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus made an entire parable to have you understand this concept. God loves everyone equally, but doesn't choose everyone equally. What is the difference? It's the people's choice to choose him. It may sound like it's a contradiction, but it is exactly how it works with God. And then I'll show you when he does that. But let's look at how he does it. Jesus spoke to them, Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. So Jesus loved to tell stories. Here he goes. This is a story, and this is what he says, verse 2. The kingdom of heaven. Right there, that should get your attention. He says, right now, I'm going to tell you what it's about in heaven and those who get to go there. You all listening? How many want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? If you don't go to the kingdom of heaven, where do you go? 
Okay, so he's basically telling you right now everybody's final destination and what it's about. Here it is. This is a story about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now just stop right there. Just get it, get it. There's a father and there's a son, and the son is getting married. Do you have enough revies of the Bible now to connect that? They're hearing this for the first time, but you've read your Bible a little bit. Who's the son of the father? Jesus. Who is the bride of the son? The church, us as Christians. Hello. Are you listening? And then there's going to be guests called alongside to be a part of this. Now watch this. He sent his servants to those who had been invited. They had been what? Come on. They had been what? They had been invited, so there's going to be a marriage banquet, and he says, okay, everybody, you come to this banquet, and he says, tell them to come, but they, what, refused to come. They were invited, but they, what, refused to come. Is ISIS invited right now to come to Jesus? But if they die before they accept Jesus and bust hell wide open, is it their fault or God's fault? It's their fault. Why is it their fault? Because they refuse to come. Why does anybody go to hell? Why are they not chosen to go to heaven? Why are they not predestined to go where God has blessings for them? Because they refuse to come. Does it say he didn't love them? No, it actually says the opposite. He sent an invitation to them. Come. Come. You are invited. Come one. Come all to this wedding banquet. But they refuse to come. Now listen to this king. Does he just send one invitation? Does he just do it once? No, no. He sends more servants. He's re- he, he is repetitive. He is tenacious in trying to get people to come. And he said, tell those who have been invited. It's going to be good. I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle are there. How many like steak? He's like, it's going to be some fogo de chow. It's going to be some lechon. Or, you know, it's going to be some uh, arachetta. This is going to be awesome. It's been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. What's that, that four-letter word that starts with the C? What is it? Come on. How you say it in Spanish? Bien, bien, come. He's saying to the whole world, Come. Come on, it's going to be good. There's, there's a great meal. Come. Verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field. Oh, I'm so busy. I can't go to church. I'm, honey, I'm so busy. I'm busy. It's my only day off. Come on. Give me a break. One went to his field, another to his business. Now watch. The rest actually seized the servants. Here are servants coming to say, We want you to come to my master's uh, wedding. They get so upset, they now mistreat them and kill them. Come on, how many are catching the revelation here? Missionaries getting killed all over the world. Christians are the most hated group in the world right now. 90,000 Christians die a year. That's why I wear this bracelet to remind me of the persecuted church. You heard about just in the, uh, the few weeks ago, uh, the Coptics there, our Christian brothers in Egypt being uh, blown up in the middle of their Palm Sunday service. North Korea, they're in concentration camps. Concentration camps still exist today. And the worst place is in North Korea. The king was enraged. Okay? He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Sounds like judgment time. Okay, now watch this, watch. Then he said to his servants, boy, this king doesn't give up, does it? sounds like a good king. It's a good king. He invites you to come. You don't come. He leaves it up to you. But then when you go beyond and, and, and torture and hurt and mistreat people, then he judges you. He's a just king. 
But now watch. He says to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited, they didn't deserve to come. So now go to the street corners and invite to the banquet everyone you find. Come on, somebody. Somebody say Chicago for Jesus. See, now you understand why we go to the streets, don't you? Because you know what? Not everybody wants it where I go, but I'm going to find somebody who does want it. I'm going to go where they're at. Just because my four and no more don't want it doesn't mean I'm going to stop just preaching to my neighbors. I'm not going to sit at the same lunch table at work every day. Come on. I'm going to find somebody who wants it somewhere. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. It didn't matter what your past was like. And the wedding hall was filled with the guests. But when the king came in, he saw the guests and he noticed a man there not wearing his wedding clothes. So he actually came, but he didn't come right. Now, this doesn't mean you have to come dressed up to church in wedding clothes, but there's going to be a symbolic nature here. The way you dress, it shows your preparation. He asked, how did you get in here without your wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Now, here's where it gets even real, and the parable goes from this, this idea of a wedding, and it goes right to hell. Look at this. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside. This is the king talking. The same king that was wanting everybody to come in now says somebody came, but they didn't come correct. Tie them up, throw them outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is this Dito king right here going, oh, I feel sorry for you. I feel so sorry for you. No, he says tie him up, kick him out. He didn't want to be here anyway. He came in correct. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is your Jesus. Somebody say, it's my Jesus. This is my Jesus talking here. For many are invited, but few are chosen. That's your Jesus talking right there. Do you want to be chosen? You better come to that wedding and come correct. Woo! Come on, you better come to the wedding and you better come correct. You cannot say that I have not been invited. You cannot say that you have not been loved. You cannot say that you have not been taken care of by our God. It is up to you now. Paul is speaking to people in that church. The city's called Ephesus. That's why the book is Ephesians. And he's saying, I know y'all are chosen. How could he say something so bold to those people? Because if you were here in weeks prior, and I'll review for those who weren't, he was there when he first preached to them, when they were idolaters, when they were sexually perverted, when they were practicing witchcraft. He was there preaching to them on their street corners, and they accepted Jesus. He was there when they repented of their sins, when they took all of their idolatry, their idols and their witchcraft and horoscopes, and they put them in the town square and burned them. And when the people got mad and brought them in front of the United Center, filled up a stadium and tried to kill them there in front of everybody, they were not ashamed and they still claimed Christ. He says, I know that you are chosen by God. You are chosen and you're chosen to be holy. You're chosen to be blameless. You've been invited, so come. But don't come dirty. Don't come like you want to live that kind of dirty life. Come in the wedding garments. Come in the holiness of God. Once again, where do I get my wedding garment then? Do I make it myself, little little spindle? Do I have a snow white? No, who's the one my kids always watch with the... Cinderella, there we go. Cinderella, magic uh, fairy comes, you know, gives them some dress, you know, she gives them a dress. Is that how I get? No, I get it from Jesus. 
I get the invitation from Jesus, and then I put on the wedding garments. And there's a little bit of historical background to this, that if you were invited to a king's wedding, and you were from a, a, a family that couldn't even afford a wedding garment, they put this into commentaries here. And you may want to hear this, Pastor Steve, because I know you're a preacher. This will preach. If you didn't come with the right stuff, you could humble yourself and ask, and they had a closet full of stuff for you to wear. But all you had to do was ask. All you had to do was go to the king's servants and say, my family can't afford the wedding garments of everybody else. Can I get one from the wardrobe of the king? Can I get one from the wardrobe of the palace? And they would put it on you and say, all right, come on in. And you'll even see that sometimes in our restaurants. Well, you used to, back in the day, well, you need a jacket, sir, to eat here. I didn't bring one. That's okay. We have a jacket here. We have some that we give to our customers if they didn't have one. See, many are invited, but few are chosen. What God is calling us to do is to respond to him. Now, when God chooses and why God chooses is wrapped up in this one passage right here. And this is it in closing, so follow me here. Romans 8, 28. Are you ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. He says, and we know that in all things God's work, God works for the good of those who love him. For we have been called according to his purpose. Somebody say, he called and I answered. Come on, he called, and I answered. For those God, what, foreknew, he also rewinded, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Think about that. Those God foreknew, he backs up then into history and predestines. God knows the beginning and the end at the same time. You are free to make your choices in the realm of God's knowledge, just because God knows something doesn't mean he makes you do it. Just because you know the end of the World Series for the Cubs doesn't mean when you watch it that now you make them do something. But you can know every single thing they're going to do, right? You can have the foreknowledge now because the game is all over, and you can watch it and know every single play. But that doesn't mean you made it to happen. God knows your decisions, but he stands back and says, I didn't make you do that, but I know what you do. He knows who's going to go to heaven and hell. That is true. He already knows. And some of you may say, well, why did he make me then? Because he's God. Well, why did he do it if he knew some people would go to hell? Because he's God. And he had one of two choices. He could have made creation robots. Everybody would have chosen him. I love you, God. I love you, God. You're so awesome. Hallelujah. Or he could make a group of free will agents. Some would choose, some would not. But it would be their choice, heaven or hell, their choice, and it would all be determined on what they knew and what they chose, or what they chose, and then God would know. So here's the beautiful thing. God already knows what we're going to do, but lets us make the choices. And what choices are you making? Are you choosing God today? Because if you have chosen him, he has predestined you to be conformed to this, his image, the image of Jesus. What that means is conformed to the image of Jesus. You ever make cookies with kids or you did this as a kid? You got the little cookie cutter. You got that thing, you know. You're going to make some gingerbread cookies or some like Superman cookies and you put that over the dough. All the excess gets pushed away. All that remains is the outline. Are you listening to me? You are made 
in the image of Jesus. Jesus has stamped himself into you. That's how you get to become holy and blameless is that Jesus comes and pushes out the excess and makes you into his image. That he, talking about Jesus, look at this, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We are supposed to be like Jesus, like how I would walk out and say to Lucas, we don't act like that because we do it differently here. Jesus is saying, act like me. Be my brother. Be my sister. I am conforming you to be like who I am. Come on, somebody. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. What does that mean? Just if I had never sinned. When Jesus gets in your life, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. And those he justified, he also glorified. There's another day coming, people, where they're going to see on the inside, on the outside, what God's done on the inside. There is glory to be had in the world to come. We are going to get a new body, a resurrection life, be in the presence of God. Hello, somebody. So in summary, as the band comes, as we get ready to close out, how did God choose us? He chose us based on our choice to have faith in him. Somebody better put that on Facebook. God chose me when I put my faith in him. He chose me. He invited everybody, but who did he choose? Those who came, right? You remember the parable? Everybody's invited. How many people are loved? God so loved the world. But how many get to go to that wedding? Those who have faith. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, right, shall not perish but have everlasting life. They get the kingdom of God. He's invited all of you. If you're here today and you are not yet born again, God has not changed you on the inside yet. You haven't been stamped with the image of God. Listen to me. You are invited. You are invited. The message is coming out to you. You today can receive the invitation. When you receive the invitation, you will find that it's not an accident, that God has a plan for your life, and he has chosen you for this purpose. So oftentimes, we as Christians get lost in that kind of cycle of, well, if God knows, do I really get a choice? You know, get out of that. Look at it linear. It's, it's simple when you look at it linear. God created me. He's invited me to be with him. I choose him. There is a plan for my life. Think of it so simply. Don't miss this. God's inviting every one of us. Just go through your life. God's inviting you to do family his way. Do you want to do it? God's inviting you to go to work tomorrow his way. God's inviting you to join a great church. Have you joined one? Come on. Have you started discipleship? We don't do membership. We do discipleship. You show me where they signed a piece of paper to be a member in the Bible, and I'll start doing it. But you show me disciples, and we'll keep doing that. Amen? So you are chosen by God for this amazing plan when you say, I choose you, Jesus. It's a free will choice, and I make it with my love towards you. When does God choose us? Here's what blows our minds. God chose us before he created us because he knew who would choose him and who would not. As I said before, nobody at hell uh, going, uh, you know, standing at hell's doorway getting judged by God can say, well, you knew this all along. God will still say, so what? I still gave you a choice. What difference does it make if I knew it or not? The choice was yours. I watch my kids all the time, you know. 
You tell them not to, to touch the Legos. It could be anything. The moment you tell them not to touch it, what's going to happen when, when you turn around? You know, they're going to try to touch it. And you let them make that choice, don't you, parents? Because you got to teach them obedience and discipline. Just because I know what they're going to do doesn't mean it's my fault. If they do it, it's their choice. You teach them. And God is saying, I know your choices, but you will be responsible for them. So you don't have to wonder, well, am I chosen? Maybe, maybe I backslide at some point. I'm not really. No, 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 don't, don't. Anytime God is inviting you and calling you, take him at his word and walk before him, and he will finish what he started in you. The Bible says he is faithful to finish what he started in you. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then why does he choose us? He chooses us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. A lot of times people say, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Well, I thought Jesus was perfect. Okay, well, just Jesus. Yeah, but then I thought Jesus makes people perfect. And then the moment you tell them that, they're like, well, uh, do you always act perfect? You know, here's the difference. My identity is perfect in Christ, but my behavior may not always be. But the point is, I'm still in Christ. So as much as I'm in Christ is as much as God has changed me. So the mindset is what matters. When I believe that Christ changed me on the inside, I stop making excuses for myself. How many know when you were dieting, you started off with a cheat day once a week, but it became every day, every meal, and then before you know it, you're just done with the diet. That's why they tell you don't have a cheat day, just live in moderation with the things you enjoy. And so the idea here isn't that God sends us to hell after every mistake a Christian makes. No, true Christians, if they make mistakes, can repent and be forgiven. But we don't use that to keep sinning, to be forgiven, to keep... No, we look at ourselves as the righteousness of God, the blameless ones. And so when we do get smudged with sin, we want to become spotless again. We want the sin off of us because another word for blameless is spotless, holy. In Christ, I am who he said I am, and I can do what he said I can do. Amen? In closing, let's look at this scripture, but in a different translation. And let's see if you guys can get some nuggies out of it today and walk out if you're saying, I am chosen. Look at this from the message in everyday English. Long before the Father laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us his focus of his love. And it was for us to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Can I get an amen today as we stand up? Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask that the altar workers would come, please. We're going to pray today. In closing, before we go, if you don't know Jesus, this is now your chance to do so. Would you just close your eyes with me? In your heart of hearts right now, are you chosen? Have you responded to the invitation of God? If you haven't, would you right now just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to come to the wedding banquet 
I want to be a part of your kingdom. I believe you died, were buried, rose again on the third day. I repent of my sins. Come on, in your own words, would you pray something like that? Those of you who are already invited and receiving it and chosen, would you thank him right now? Thank him that he chose you to be holy. Thank him that he chose you to be blameless. And as you're praying, if there's anything that comes up as a smudge or as a sin, would you pray that he'll take it from you as a Christian? No hypocrites here. Even a Christian who sins is not a hypocrite if they confess it and admit it, right? I can say to you that I'm perfect in Christ though I make mistakes because if you see me make them, come check me because I know I'm not supposed to live that way. There's a difference in our mentality as Christians, right? So right now, we're all praying, either non-Christians asking Jesus into their hearts and their lives to be stamped with his image, or for us as Christians, we're glorifying him and asking him to use us in our daily lives, to live for him, to reflect him, not walking out of here with any hidden sin. Come on, somebody, pray. Pray it out today. I'm chosen to be holy. I'm chosen to be blameless. Before the foundation of the world, I was chosen for this destiny. Everything I do from this point on is going to be Jesus' way. Jesus' word will be the playbook of my life. Let's take a few more moments. Now dedicate your life to God, everybody. Dedicate what you do to the Lord. Pray that you'll do it in holiness. Pray that you'll have hobbies that are separated from sinful hobbies. Pray that you'll do business separated from sinful business. That's what holiness means. Pray that you'll raise your family separated from the garbage of this world. Jesus, use us, Lord. You chose us. You created the plan. All we had to do was respond. All we had to do was to love you back. You first loved us. You sent out the invitations. You created our destinies. And all we have to do is choose you, to love you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're going to get ready to dismiss. Can I hear somebody say amen one more time? We're going to pray at these altars, and you can worship or pray with us. Some may have to go. You'll be dismissed, and, and we appreciate you coming to our first 9 a.m. service. But don't leave out of here until you have chosen God. Don't leave out of here without his plan for your life because these next few weeks, it's going to get amazing what God has planned for us. These scriptures will apply to you, man. You will feel it. You'll be like, oh, this is so exciting. Doesn't mean problems won't come your way. Doesn't mean you won't have troubles, but you'll know you're with God. Let's pray. Father, as we dismiss and get ready to go, would you bless us to be a blessing? May we choose you and your plan for our lives today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give it up for Jesus. Woo! Slap your neighbor high five and say he's invited you to be chosen. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you want to pray, come on up. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. Woo. This sounds like the Bible.